You're listening to the Photographer's Story Podcast. I'm your host, Hark Najjar, and joining me is international photography business coach, Bernie Griffiths, as my co-host. Well, welcome everybody to another exciting episode of Photographer Stories Podcast. Uh, Bernie, how are you doing down south? I haven't spoken to you for quite a while, and we've got uh, Chris uh, from Down Under as well, the uh, founder of uh, Studio Ninja. Hey, uh, good to speak to you, Hawk. You've been locked down there in Canada, as I call it, or you call it Canada, but I call it Canada. And uh, Chris happens to be from Melbourne, which is my hometown as well in downtown um, Australia, mate. So uh, welcome, Chris. Thanks for having us, guys. Uh, also in lockdown here, hopefully one week-ish to go and things will start opening up again and weddings go back to normal hopefully soon and hopefully life returns. I, I like know, the hopefully, Chris. Yeah, it is hopefully, isn't it? And the Hawk, I know he's got a great brand new studio that's been locked down for Ooh, many months awesome. uh, seems like about yeah. a year and a half now so uh although <laughs> e- even though we are open at the moment but anytime it feels like uh they're gonna shut things off and how, how many lockdowns you guys been through already uh, three four we're six deep mate six oh. deep and oh, hopefully my. the last one we're like it's just like yeah. normal everyday behavior now but uh we got the world record <laughs> that's not a record that you want to boast about bernie Sixty thousand days <laughs> yeah man the most locked down <laughs> city in the world but that's okay we're, we're positive where summer's coming and we are ready to get out of it and ready to to rock and roll again i think everyone down here in melbourne we are good to go and uh, you're excited huh because we have a wedding photographer and uh Hark, you coming from a commercial background lived a boring life but Wedding photographers live a very exciting life. Is that right, Chris? Mate, I've got a few stories to share, that's for sure. It's uh, never a dull moment at a wedding, even when you think you've experienced everything. There's always something new to experience, which you just never thought possible. So I'll definitely share some of those, I wouldn't call them horror stories. Some were horror stories. Some were just different, funny, unusual. Um, But yeah, you know, there's... God, there's, there's been so many. But um, before you get started on those, yeah, to get started, so. I want to talk about all your failures, Chris. You're a true entrepreneur. You've <laughs> tried many things and failed time after time after time. Um, I was much more excited when you sent us a note saying that you did this uh, hen's party topless waitering oh, company. God. Did I send that to you? I t- called <laughs> Helpful <laughs> Hunks. Are you allowed to speak about that or there's some really bad stuff in there? No, 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 no. Like, you know, I've been shooting weddings uh, since 2007. And that's, that's kind of, I guess you could call it the bread and butter through my whole adult life. Um, but, you know, I always thought I didn't want to be, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 and still shooting weddings. So I was always looking for another business that could, you know, be a little side hustle that might grow into something else. Why would and, you not stop? Why would you stop? I was doing weddings at 40, 50, 60. Oh, uh, you know, like when, when you start at 22 or 23, 24. Which I did, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I'm a Gemini. So I like, I like constant variety in my life. So I just don't think I could. I didn't think I had 40 years in me. So <laughs> it's, it's amazing that you hear this coming from Bernie, the guy who always tells anybody, if you're shooting weddings, stop shooting weddings. Exactly. He's telling you, why did you quit weddings? <laughs> exactly. No, look, it, it was amazing. But um I just, I don't know. I was always trying different things and learning new things. So yeah, Helpful Hunks was one of those side hustles, which um, 
was essentially uh, topless waiters going to hen's parties, uh, wearing nothing but an apron and just, you know, <laughs> there to serve drinks and, and be the life of the party. So that was the idea. And I would run the business and do the marketing. And um, essentially the business model was for me to get half and for the hugs to get half. And I thought, this is great. I'm going to get rich off this. Like, you know, I do 10, 10 hens parties a day and I'm laughing. Um, the problem was that hens parties are also happening at the same time that I'm shooting weddings. So I'm half unavailable on the days that the hens parties are happening. The other problem is all of the staff are very attractive, good-looking, young spring chicken, 21-year-old men who aren't that reliable sometimes. So... I'm in a ceremony and I get a phone call from a hunk and he says, mate, I'm really sick. I can't come to work today. And I can hear like rave music, doof, doof in the background. He's obviously at some party, not sick at all. And I'm, you know, the hen's party starting in two hours and I'm in a ceremony freaking out and photographing a wedding. So this happened, you know, again and again and again. And I'm like, this is just not worth, I'm, I'm, I'm way, this is way too stressful. I'm out. So, you know, that, that's kind of, that story. There's no horror stories there apart from just, uh, you know, just unreliable staff and it's just really hard uh, to find good people. You, you, um, you didn't ha ever have to uh, step in uh, into the role, did you? <laughs> my, my, my wife would have, would have killed me, I think. But um, there was a few times where I almost had to, but I, I yeah, I, I managed to wiggle myself out of those ones. I would have, I could have never even thought about it. I mean, Bernie will tell uh, you, you got to do what you got to do for your business. So yes yeah. that's that's true um, yeah you've got to be there so you did this you did the photo booth business um anything else you did uh, you're an entrepreneur by birth obviously what um, else did you fail like there was a lot of like i had a um a co-sharing office space in richmond which um uh, they all failed for different reasons like they, i wouldn't say they were all dramatic failures like for the photo booth for example again i had trouble managing the staff so it was just too hard basket it's just not worth the stress i'm out um i set up a, a hens party online directory um just to be like a i guess you could call it like an easy weddings for hens party providers and that was just some of these businesses i just lost interest you know i, I had the technical skill to to build the business to create the design to create the website i got a few customers on board but then i just lost interest like by the time I got there I just realized oh this is just not as exciting as I hoped it would be so I might move on to something else um so yeah there was a, a co-sharing office space that I built with a friend in Richmond um which the original plan was to have like offices upstairs and a really cool photography studio downstairs and the people leasing the office space would essentially cover the cost of our lease and would have a free photography studio um, that was the plan, but, um, my business partner convinced me that there's way more money in creating more and more offices. So we ditched the studio and made more and more offices. And then I found myself day in, day out, just selling office space. I'm like, Hey guys, here's an office. It has the internet. There's a desk. Do you want it or not? And it just completely, uh, became really boring. So after a couple of years of that, I said, I'm out. I'm not interested anymore. I want to uh, go back. So then I did that in South Yarra. I created a, a photography studio and a whole bunch of offices um, with another friend of mine. And that was doing quite well for a while. Uh, and then COVID kicked in and I started Studio Ninja on top of that. And I was just juggling too many things. 
So I decided to uh, sign off on that one too. So yeah, I guess essentially, you know, some failed, some I lost interest, some I juggled too many things. So I just, I just kind of, well, essentially put all my eggs into Studio Ninja, um, which is now doing quite well and um, helping a lot of photographers. And I haven't lost interest in that one yet. I'm still full steam ahead in Studio Ninja and still shooting weddings. So for now, I'm quite happy with that lifestyle and juggling that quite well with the kids and the rest of my hobbies and friends and family. So that's that's where I'm at now, guys. So, so when all, did you pick going, Carl? So I was going to say, off all the businesses that you've started and uh, learned, I, I wouldn't call those failures. I mean, you put everything that you've learned, put it into your Studio Ninja uh, enterprise, and now, now it's showing the, the fruits of your labor right now. So uh, I guess as entrepreneurs, uh, we have to go there. We have to do some failures. So good for you for keep trying. Yeah, and I guess one thing to note, um, none of them really cost me a lot of money i didn't lose a lot of money out of any of them really um i guess because i had like a design degree i could set something up pretty quickly it just cost time really so the end when things didn't work out it was just time but like you said i definitely learned about online marketing about seo how to build websites how to design like i, I learned a lot along the way so you're right um I, although they didn't work out there was lessons learned in every single one of them which has led me to where we are today i guess so yeah and I, right. I would expect that um you started photography when did you first pick up a camera and why did you want to photograph weddings did you think was that another enterprise you thought would make good money uh, i fell into it actually uh i had no interest in it until it was in front of my face so just a quick backstory um i was doing i finished multimedia design at university and in my third year i just fell in love with 3d animation and 3d uh essentially like i wanted to make movies like shrek or monsters inc or whatever like i really spent all of my third year uni just diving deep into 3d stuff and that's what i really wanted to do and then um i got a little apprenticeship with a little studio in richmond to they were, they were kind of teaching me some some basics um so when i was doing it at uni i loved it but when i actually learned how the industry works and the industry standards of actually animating uh it quickly dawned on me that i'd be sitting in a cubicle just going through this process um it wasn't although it is creative it wasn't as creative as i expected like to make a, a character walk there are like 16 steps that you have to go through and essentially it's the same 16 steps for everything that you animate and i lost interest in it um so really quick backstory i was recovering I'd broken my neck snowboarding a few years before that when I was in uh, Colorado. Um, so I'd it'd gone a few years unnoticed until another accident in Brazil when I was sandboarding. And um, I'd come back to Melbourne and told my mum that uh, I was lying on the ground numb for a few minutes and couldn't move. So she's, she said, well, how about we go to a doctor and actually suss out what the hell is going on with you? Told the doctor the story and she said, we need to get a CAT scan done immediately because a human body should never go numb ever. So the CAT scan result was a broken C2 and needed immediate surgery. So I, I went into that and um, was just recovering at home for, for, for six months in a neck brace, not really able to do much. And my roommate was working for a wedding photography studio as a album designer. So I was just at home twiddling my thumbs 
So I thought I'd call the boss. I, I knew they were a little bit behind in their post-production. So I called the boss and said, hey man, I'm, I'm at home doing nothing. Do you want some help retouching some stuff? And he said, yes, absolutely. If you can help, that'd be great. So he started sending me albums to retouch. So I was just at home doing that for a couple of months. And then he called me and said, Chris, I really like your retouching style. How about you come into the studio and start working from here? So I thought, hmm, I never thought of myself as a retoucher, but why not? I'm in a neck brace, so I can't, I'm not that mobile, but I can, I can get myself to Port Melbourne and uh, let's do it. So I kept retouching for about six months. And then I'm like, wow, these photos are really beautiful. Like I'd never thought of photography before as, as, as anything. But um, the photographers that were giving me retouching work, I'm like, wow, they're stunning, stunning images. Like, how do I do this? So I chatted with the boss and I'm like, hey, man, can you teach me how to shoot? And um, after some, you know, a few days of convincing him that I was serious about it, he's like, all right, man, from now on, you retouch nine to five. You're with me in the studio from five to eight, setting up the studio for family portraits, model portfolios, um, maternity newborn you're there watching setting up and and getting coffee for our customers and then on Saturdays and Sundays you're out with me re, uh, shooting shooting weddings so I'm quickly doing the math I'm like hey so I'm working from nine to nine Monday to Friday and then nine to nine Saturday Sunday but okay I'm in let's do it so every minute for the next year I was either retouching or by Simon's side my boss and he was teaching me how to shoot in the studio. I still remember him saying, Chris, remember these numbers, 2.8, four, you know, all, all, all these numbers. And obviously, you know, quickly learned. Um, and then I was assisting, assisting, assisting. And then I, um, you know, as I, probably after I assisted 20, 30 weddings, I put a few gum tree ads up. Hey, I'm a photographer. I'll shoot your wedding for 200 bucks. Hey, I'm a photographer. I'll shoot your wedding for 500 bucks and did a few little side ones on my own. And then that company started booking weddings for me uh, after about a year of assisting. And my very first wedding for them was like a 16 hour day for a huge Macedonian wedding from seven in the morning until way past midnight. They wanted full reception coverage. There was a bottle party of 18 people they wanted full reception coverage and then they wanted night shots in the city. And then they wanted me to come back to the hotel room and take some, some little, you know, those sort of photos well into the night. Like, wow. So that was my first wedding ever. It was, it was massive. Chris, and, sorry, Chris, one second. Bernie, is yeah, it breaking off for you guys as well? Is it, just after that day, <laughs> it was pretty brutal. It was a big day. No. Might just be you, Huck. Sorry. I may just give me one second. I'm going to pause it and I'm going to. Okay, there you go. Let's try it. Okay, so Chris, we must stop there. And, and uh, for those wedding photographers out there who have never experienced Australia, uh, primarily Sydney and Melbourne, going through the phase where brides and grooms not only wanted all of their reception covered, they also wanted to meet you in the city at midnight or 12.30 to take some night shots, as they call them, in the city. But not only that, they also wanted you to go to their hotel room 
and take some photographs there, but it wasn't like that, was it, Chris? They, whatever anyone's thinking, it wasn't like that. They were really legitimate, nice they were. photos. <laughs> they were, they were, they were. Look, I remember in the city, I, um, God, it was my first wedding. I was so nervous. I had like, anyway, so I remember taking a, a, a camping generator, like a, a petrol powered camping generator to the city to give me power for my Dido um, video light because that was before you could even power them with batteries back then. So I'm walking around the city with this freaking 25 kilo huge red box, which is like a V8 engine, um, trying to get cute, intimate, you know, photos of this, of this couple uh, with my Dido video light. But, you know, it worked. We got it done. We, we went to Parliament House and did a few shots around Collins Street, which is like a fashion street. Um, and then back to the Park Hyatt um, in Melbourne for their, their, did some shots in the lobby. And then they just wanted a, a couple of shots in their hotel room. It wasn't like what you're thinking. It wasn't uh, R-rated. It was all PG-rated, borderline M. But um, yeah, and then I kind of said to them, like, aren't you guys done? Like, like <laughs> am I coming on the honeymoon hours, guys? Well? Like, yeah. Go to bed. <laughs> And they agreed and called, called it a day. So yeah, it was epic, but it was a good intro into, um, you know, there were so many things even that day, like I, that, this was before GPS. So I was still using what we call in Melbourne a Melway, which is like a, 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 a map book. And I'm trying to figure out where the hell the bride lived and how to get to, from there to the ceremony. Oh man, like doing that using a book was a, just like adds a level of stress, like, yeah. You know, now I just daydream while I'm driving around following my phone where it's just turn left here. But back then, yeah, God, like the Melways were stressful little things. So how, how many weddings did you actually assist on before you actually got your very first wedding, the one that you were just talking about? Look, I probably went to like about 30 of them, but I also did a little, a couple of small Gumtree ones or in the States, like a Craigslist style. I just put an ad up and did a few hours here, a few hours there on my own. Um, so... It's actually quite funny. Like you can assist for years, but until you're actually there clicking the button and actually directing a, a client, um, you know, you learn exponentially. It's kind of like driving a car. Like you can sit there next to your dad for, for years, but until you're actually there um, driving, like the, the learning curve just exponentially increases when you're actually talking to the client and, and directing in your own style. Um, so yeah, so it was about 30 assisting. I maybe did like five little little ones on the side. And then I did this mega Macedonian wedding about a year in. And, um, and then it kind of blossomed from there. There's probably another 20 or 30 weddings where I was shit scared and freaking out and um, you know, constantly, const like, you know, I used to, before every wedding for probably about 20 or 30 weddings, I would go to the, the locations the day before or the week before, and I would write down every shot that I was going to take. Bride and groom standing in front of this lamp. They're going to kiss. They're going to look at the camera. He's going to dip kiss her, and then he's going to spin her. And then on these stairs, she's going to run up the stairs, and he's going to be waiting at the top. And then on this corner, I'm going to get him to pick her up and spin her. And then I'm going to get them walking down this laneway, and I'm going to get him to scare her on, in this doorway. Like I literally wrote out everything and then memorized it before every wedding so that it would just 
be second nature in the moment. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be umming and ahhing and thinking, shit, what am I going to do now? I just, I had it all pre-planned out. Um, and although it was more work, I was just better prepared. Um, you know, I used to do fake bride portraits with my wife where I would just steal a bunch of roses from the neighbor's house, just, you know, just chop half the tree off and get her to hold the flowers next to a window in our apartment. And I would just go through the shots again and again and again. I'd get her lying on the bed and I'd cover her with a sheet. And um, I don't know, I just didn't want to be unprepared. So I just, I just practiced and practiced all the shots I would need to do. Um, and yeah, it took about 30 or you know, 20, 30 weddings before in my, in my experience became fun. Like it was, it was pretty hard work, pretty stressful for about 20 or 30 weddings. And then I started enjoying it. Um, so this, this is where the fun starts as you started shooting, as you getting more and more weddings and you were comfortable shooting, but what about on the other side? Uh, tell us some of the stories that your very first wedding where you showed up and you had whatever you had in your mind in terms of expectations, they were thrown out the window. Was there ever a situation you had to face where you thought, why am I shooting this wedding? Uh, there were lots. <laughs> <laughs> um but not many happened in the first year i was pretty well prepared i mean i've had a um oh there are lots um I'll, I'll make it easy for you you sent me a list so you've had batteries go flat memory cards yeah, 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 yeah scrambled yeah, 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 to yeah, yeah. a solution when my car got towed after legal park outside the church because yep. i was running late mother of bride faint uh, <laughs> yeah. Been to a wedding where the bride didn't show up, watched a groom run straight out to the side of a church door. Yeah. And uh, another one, tell us about those few. I'm interested in about the groom shooting. Did he actually shoot through when he left, went through the side? No, so, door? yeah, so I had a great morning coverage. Groom's house was great. The bride's house was great. Got to the ceremony the groomsmen and the groom are at the altar, you know, waiting for the bride to arrive. And I kind of see him fidgeting and he's kind of talking to the boys and they're sort of in a little semicircle. And I don't know, kind of something seemed a bit off. And then, you know, I'm sort of walking in and out waiting for the bride to rock up. And then I ran outside because I can, I see that the car's arriving. So I got shots of the car arriving and then the bride, the, the father of the bride helping the bride out of the car and then I ran back in to kind of prepare for the entry and I'm looking at him and he's kind of just like fidgeting. And then suddenly without warning, he just runs off stage and exits via a side door. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? Like, what is going on here? This is what? And I kind of like run after him and I'm like, hey, you. and then he sort of disappears. And I came back in, I grabbed the, the groom, the, um, the best man, I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, mate he had to pee really bad he had too many beers before the ceremony and he's busting and he couldn't wait so he just stage left and, and disappeared but i thought he did a runner like he there was like no mention of why he was i mean like literally the bride's coming in in about two minutes and he just ran out of the ceremony so there was a gasp from the the crowd and uh and then i told the priest what happened and he quickly made a quick announcement He'll be back. Don't worry. He just a uh, quick pit stop to the toilet, but he'll be back. Don't stress. So that was. Oh, he did show up. Show back up. Yeah. Um, once I'd rocked up to a to a groom's house, which is the first stage of a wedding, 
And um, I knock on the door and the groom answers in his boxer shorts. And I'm like, oh, let's, uh, are you getting dressed? And he's like, mate, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing here? It's your wedding day. And he's like, oh, didn't we tell you? I'm like, did he tell me what? And he starts like almost crying. He's like, oh, you know, she pulled the pin. We're not getting married anymore. It's, it's, it's over. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And no, no one told me. Um, so he's like, oh, do you want to come in? I'm like, oh, <laughs> sure. And he basically had a coffee and, you know, I was kind of his sounding board for the next hour, hour and a half. And I'm like, all right, mate, well, you know, uh, I'll let you be and I'm going home. So that's another story. I had a, um, probably the most scary story was um, I left my house and drove an hour and a half to the groom's house again. So I rocked up on time, five minutes early, like always, excited. It was a really cool couple, down like a sort of country style wedding. Um, beautiful weather. I was at a great night's sleep. I'm, I'm super excited about this one. Like, great i'm waiting in my car just on my phone fluffing around for a few minutes before it's time to knock on the door like, cool time to go got out of my car went to the boot or the trunk as you call it and grabbed my camera gear open the trunk boots empty I'm like what close the trunk or the boot <laughs> and i'm thinking did i just hallucinate that like am i, did I just, am i daydreaming like what i opened the trunk the boot of my car again it's, it's empty. I freaking left my camera bag. All of my gear is at home. And this, the, the, I need to be at the, and not only that, it's an hour and a half away. So it's an hour and a half to get my camera bag and come back. So my mind goes in like hyperspeed. I'm like, what are my options? I can, I can skip the groom and bride coverage, go home, get my camera bag, come back and get to the ceremony just in time. Or what can I do? So I thought about it. I'm like, okay, I called my wife. Mayday, mayday. Um, I've left my camera bag at home. I need you <laughs> to chuck it in your car and deliver it to the bride's house. I can hear my kids like screaming in the background. They're sleep deprived. They're tired. Like my little baby's ready for his nap. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, I need you to do this. So yes, yeah, screaming, crying kids in the car for an hour and a half. And she... So that was that, that that side was covered. Camera bag is en route to the bride's house. But now I'm at the groom's house with no camera. So I'm thinking, all right, let's just let's do this. So I knock on the door and uh, Jimmy said, like, Chris, how are you? Good to see you. We're ready for you. Let's the family's here, the groomsmen are ready, let's rock and roll. And I just took a deep breath and was honest with him. Like, Jimmy, mate. Got some bad news, man. I, uh, as crazy as this sounds, I left my camera bag at home. I was arguing with the missus. I was having a rough morning. I just stormed out and I just completely forgot my camera bag at home. And But the good news is I'm here and I'm ready and I've got my phone and I'm going to photograph you guys with my phone and we're going to do this. And he gives me this look like I'm, like I'm joking. And I give him this huge smile and he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, man, let's do this. I got it. This is going to be great. And he, of all the people I've ever met, he was the one person that just, you know, wasn't phased. He's like, all right, 
I trust you, man. Let's let's do this. And I mean, that could have gone a million different different ways of of bad to worse to being killed. And he he just he was so cool about it. He didn't want it to to ruin his day. And I said, you know, the camera is on the way to to Jenny's house, so that's the rest of the day is going to be under control. So let's get started. So I went inside, had a beer with the boys, and photographed the details, photographed the boys getting ready, all of it, the the family shots, the portraits, all with my phone. And I said to him, you know what? If at any point you're not happy with anything, I'll happily refund you this portion of the day. And the shots were actually totally fine. And he was happy with them, ended up making an album out of them. So no refund. He didn't ask for a refund. And I lived to, to tell the story tell and shoot well, another day. So, I was gonna say, you, you may have lived, but how many years did you end up paying your wife for that big favor that she did to you on that day? Or are you still yeah, paying? Man, I, was, <laughs> I, was doing, uh, I was getting the kids up in the morning for the next three years. Uh, while she slept in, well but, deserved. Uh, yeah, that was a freaking scary day. Like I literally, my heart stopped that moment. Um, it's like it puts everything else into perspective as like minor, like my car breaking down or being towed, pff, no big deal. Camera, camera, card fail, eh, no worries. Um, so I was gonna—you've been shooting all these weddings. You've been a successful wedding photographer. At what point did you realize that there was something? else that you wanted to try when, when was the point that studio ninja came to uh, your the picture and how long did it actually take you to from inception to actually start putting something on paper and then obviously start development how, how did you even come up with it was there another story behind it yeah uh so like i said there was lots of little things in between um it came to me pretty quickly so i was using um you know, paper and Excel for a while. And then I, that became too much. And then some friends said, well, how about you get studio management software? I'm like, oh, I never knew that existed. Let's look it up. So then I tried a bunch of those and I settled on one, which was the best at the time. And it was pretty good. Um, I just found it also personal, from personal experience, I found it overwhelming still. Like it was just so, um, so many features I never used. And just every time I logged in, there was just so much going on that I didn't understand and couldn't wrap my head around, but it did the job. So it was fine. So yeah, literally I was driving to a wedding and you know, I got into podcasts and audiobooks. So um, every, every wedding I was shooting from every time I was in the car, I was listening to podcasts and audiobooks about online marketing and different business ideas. And I was listening to a lot of startup stories. And there's one podcast that day was about how to start a software company with no money. I'm like, hmm, sounds interesting. Let's, let's learn about this. So I'm driving to the bride's house and I'm, I'm just like loving this interview and just absorbing everything. And then suddenly I'm like, oh my God, maybe I can, maybe I can create a studio management app, which is similar to what I'm currently using, but just way simpler. Like I just need about 10 or 20% of the features that I think are important. And let's make it way more beautiful, way more simple, way more intuitive. And just with, just with the more, like the, just the bare minimum features that a photographer would need. So that was the moment that the idea came to me. Um, so literally I was so excited. Um, the next morning I woke up at like five in the morning and I started mocking up some designs. I mocked up a landing page and I went to Facebook that day and I, all the groups that I was involved in, 
I just announced, hey guys, I'm building this awesome new app and I'm looking for early adopters to give me some money. <laughs> and um, basically I was looking for a hundred people to pay an annual subscription upfront at half price. And in return, once it's launched, they'll get half price for life. That was the deal for these early adopters. And within about a week, I had a hundred people sign up and pay the subscription fee. Um, so suddenly I had 15 grand in the bank and I was thinking, holy shit, like I have to build this freaking software company now. This is real, yeah. This is totally real. And it's not a joke anymore. Like I just followed the steps of this podcast, you know, get the idea, validate it, pre-sell it, get it launched as quickly as humanly possible and then get feedback and, you know, iterate, get feedback, iterate and just rinse and repeat from there. So I built the landing page, the designs were kind of mocked up, the people had paid me and then I'm like, holy shit. So one of the tenants at our co-sharing studio in South Yarra was a designer, a good friend of mine that we would just bounce ideas off on a monthly basis, would catch up for lunch and just bounce ideas. So this, this Wednesday, I'm like, hey, Ewan, I've got this idea, man. I think I'm going to build a software company. And he's got experience in building apps and websites and, um, and dealing with engineers. So he's like, oh, let me, see, let me see your prototypes and let me see your designs and let me see your brief. So I gave, gave him an A4 piece of paper. I'm like, this is a brief. He's like, mate, this is not a brief for a software business. This is, this is barely a pitch. This is, this is a, like a napkin. Um, you're in deep shit, man. Like you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. And I'm like... Oh, wing it. It'll be all right. He's like, dude, this is, this is the real deal. You've got people who have given you money and I think you need some help. I'm like, oh, maybe you're right. But let me, let me sleep on it. And the next day I woke up and I had an email from Ewan saying, hey man, I'm interested in being your business partner. I, like, I love the idea. I love photography. I love it's creative. I've got the experience uh, in many areas, um, which in his opinion, I was lacking, which I agreed with him. And he's like, how about we team up and, and build this thing together? So I slept on it. I'm like, I think it's a good idea. And in hindsight, it was the best decision because there's no way I would have done it without him. And there's no way he could have done it without me. Like we, we work so well together. Um, all of his strengths and my weaknesses and vice versa. And we got to work. Um, we found an engineer and he started designing the whole thing based on what I thought it should do. And four months later we launched it to these hundred people and it completely flopped and and didn't work and it was buggy as hell and it was a disaster and they were all unhappy so i spoke to all of them and said guys uh i think we rushed it a little bit we need another two months can you give us a bit of leeway and they all agreed okay cool you got a bit more time so then we launched it actually took a bit longer than that we launched it in february of 2016 and it worked and it was the bare minimum. And um, in my head, what I thought would happen was, okay, let's launch it in February and it's going to take over the world. And we're going to sit back in the Bahamas, sipping pina coladas in some hammocks, chilling out, retired. So I was expecting the money just to roll in. And, and I launched it in February and I put it out to the world and we had one customer, one customer signed up. So that was a reality check. Um, so we had 101 customers. Um, 
but we asked them all to use it and give us feedback and what they liked, what they didn't like, what worked, what didn't, what, what should we improve? And then we just kept hustling. So then in March, we had three new customers. And then in April, we had seven new customers. And then it was 12. And then gradually, gradually, as slowly as you could possibly believe, slowly, slowly grew. Uh, and then finally, we had 100, as in 100 new customers. And, you know, now, six years later, we've got, you know, 8,000 customers all over the world in 72 countries and growing and growing and growing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's uh, this, this Bahamas dream quickly fizzled away. And it's actually, it's a bit of a joke, to be honest. Like, I, I love working in the business. I love the customers. Our, our team are amazing. Um, it's, it's never... Um, you know, if you stop, you die. We can't just sit back and chill. The development never stops. The demand for features is never ending. We love evolving. We love improving it. You know, six years ago, I thought, let's just build these four features and we're done. And then six years later, it's like, let's just build these 4,000 features. And then like the, the feature request list is growing rather than shrinking. It, it took me a while to try to figure out how that's even possible. But we have a, our, our users, our customers, our photographers are so engaged with the product and they're so, like we're so transparent as founders and as a business. And I think they love being part of the story and they just give us so much feedback on how to improve the product. So now the biggest challenge is prioritization. Like what do we do next? Um, so our team is now 17 people and um and growing and we just we just keep improving the product day after day week after week month after month so what made it different chris with this you'd had a lot of failures you'd hopped off pretty quickly those other businesses this one you seem obviously you stuck with it what was the reason you stuck with it did you have belief or or was it just you loved it um look i'm not gonna lie it wasn't easy uh, I won't go into too many business things, but like, you know, we ran out of money again and again and again. When things went wrong, they went seriously wrong. You know, there was a Saturday where this is, this doesn't happen anymore for anyone listening, by the way. So don't stress about this. But, you know, in the first year, <laughs> we had an instance where the calendars all got mixed up. So every single user's calendars gel together. And it's like, like whose wedding is going on where? And, you know, I had hundreds of phone calls in, oh, no. in one day on a Saturday. And I was ready to just freaking run. Like it was so stressful. Um, another Saturday, a few months later, like the servers went down and I'm getting, again, hundreds of calls. Like, Chris, I'm trying to drive to the bride's house, but I can't log in to see where she lives. What am I supposed to do? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like it was so, so stressful. So there was about four or five times where I was, you know, I was one inch away from pulling the pin. Mm. But the challenge was like next level. It was so challenging and exciting. And I think what I, I loved that it was all new to me. Like I was learning so much. I loved that our customers were photographers that I would, could totally gel with. Like I could never work in a corporate environment. It's not my personality. It's not my jam. I just, it's just not me, but you know, um, I was doing demo calls teaching people how to use Ninja while I was driving to a bride's house or to the ceremony. Like I was just juggling all of it. And it was so exciting. Um, 
and I could talk to photographers like they were my mate. It's still our style. That's our, it's part of our branding and like our culture. Like, you know, if something goes wrong, everyone in our company knows if we say the words, sorry for the inconvenience, they're like immediately fired. Like that is just such a bullshit thing to say in our opinion. <laughs> it's like, if you're on a train and you spill coffee on the person next to you, you're not going to look at them and say, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Like that makes absolutely no sense. So we are, we'd say, shit, I'm so, so sorry. Like, what can I do? Can I help? Like, can I get you a new coffee? Can I help you clean it? Like, so that's, that's how we roll. Like we just talk to our customers, like they're our friend and that's, that's how we are. And that's how I've always been. And I think I've loved the fact that I could create a culture and a business that is similar to my personality and it just made it so fun to so fun and enjoyable and challenging to to run and grow the business and it's still actually is the case like there's still so much to learn how many years in are you six, and you six. Still, you're still shooting weddings uh, is this something that uh, you just want to stay in the industry just to see what the heck's happening out uh, in the field or is this something that you still enjoy and you just want to go and shoot uh, take a break from business over, over on the weekend so um, what is it it's a bit of half, half. And to be honest, I think I'm ready to slow down. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of years where I'm doing 40. The COVID was a bit of a blessing in disguise. In disguise. I just, it was the first time in 14 years where I haven't been shooting weddings every weekend. And um, it's kind of given me a bit, you know, I'm, 30, I'm 38 now. It's not, a, not, I'm not old or young, but I'm at a stage now where, you know, I've spent all of my 20s and most of my 30s working weekends and now my kids are six and almost four i think i'm sort of ready to pull back a little bit so instead of doing 40 ish weddings i think i, I still i still really enjoy them but i think i'm going to pull it back to around 10 uh 10 ish because i do enjoy them i do want to stay in the industry i love meeting the other vendors at weddings i like to know what's happening in the industry um I think it's good being the founder of Studio Ninja and, and still shooting and being involved. Um, but I also want some free time um, before I get burnt out. And I don't want to, I, I'm sick of missing important life events because I'm shooting all the time. So I want to be there for my kids. I want to be available for my friends' weddings and other events. Um, and I think that balance will motivate me even more to you know, work in Ninja. So that's where yeah. I'm at. I'm, I'm loving Ninja full-time and um, I think I'll pull back to about 10, 10 weddings a year so I can enjoy my enjoy my personal life a little bit. Bernie's uh, pointing at me. We're just looking at the time because I've got another commitment coming up soon. So this is at the, towards the end of the interview, we usually uh, put our guests in a hot seat. These are questions that I don't even know what Bernie's uh, come up with. So I'm going to fire it off to Bernie and uh, let's uh, do some rapid fire uh, questions uh, at uh, Chris. So Hang on guys, I haven't been able to prep for these, Bernie. Hope they're <laughs> you're all- looking, uh, uh, You're looking uh, nervous, Chris, but don't <laughs> worry. Red. We don't want to make you nervous. Uh, and there's, uh, as you may or may not know, where uh, all of my, uh, Clients are getting together in Texas in March next year, 2022. And we like to give the opportunity of having our special guests on this podcast uh, to win the opportunity of coming, all expenses paid um, by Hark. Um, 
Sounds good to me. Let's let's do this. But uh, there are ten questions. Uh, the only proviso is you have to answer each question with one word, all right, to win the prize. No one's done it yet, so I'd, have we jackpotted it hard? Does it include? I think the jackpot just keeps increasing. I may have to reach into uh, your pocket too. Uh, yeah, to pay for uh, this. So yeah, right. It it Does it include going. a week in Nashville as well? So yeah. oh, I'm going to try extra hard. Oh, of course, well, you if can it fly up here. Okay. That's right. We'll take a drive out to Nashville. So, I want to go so, there too. So, so let, let's go. So, what's your, uh, Chris, your favorite alcoholic drink? Gin. What animal are you afraid of? Anacondas. And your favorite city in the world? Melbourne. And what sport do you play? Mixed martial arts. And what um, photographer's work do you love the best? Jerry Jonas. And uh, if you could have dinner with one on one, dinner one-on-one -on -one with any person in the world living or dead who would it be elon musk and what's your favorite movie terminator and the favorite uh, camera you ever owned my current camera my sony a7 and your favorite food mm. pizza what are you allergic to nothing what's your favorite animal lion who would you like to be if you weren't you? Bernie. If you hadn't been a photographer. Well, that's a good one because a lot of people have said, you know, um, a lot more famous people than I. You're famous, Bernie. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think we should just give him the prize. Huh? Yeah, this is called so, sucking up for the prize, by the way. I, I, I think Bernie's so impressed by the answers. <laughs> he's paying for himself this time. He's not going to even bother me. To pull my credit if, you, if you hadn't been a photographer, what would you have liked to have been? A builder. And what's your motivation to get out of bed every morning? To make my kids proud. Okay, so the last question you just gave more than one word answer. Did you notice that? Oh, make my call. kid to make my kids proud is five. <laughs> To make my kids proud, it's a quick one word. <laughs> quick one word. <laughs> That's like half a sneeze, half a to word, half to a make my kids proud. So we're sorry that the prize we can't give it to you because we're gonna have a wonderful time. Um so but children. Chris, children. <laughs> you can't go back. You, know you, that. Can, you, know you can edit that out and the put the word children in there. Thank you very much. Yeah, the replay. It's a trier, isn't he, huh? We've had no one I, I think attempt so. to I'm breathing a sigh of relief over here. Uh, we don't want, yeah, you, you sweat so We don't appear that we cheat with this, all right? Yeah. So, Chris, from me, before I hand over Hark uh, to close this episode, thanks for being on. Look, uh, fantastic stories. Uh, I've got a few moments as being a wedding photographer, but yours beat them hands up. Those are great stories. And uh, I hope for the rest of your life, you don't have nightmares like I do, um, but you're still doing it. So uh, good job. And uh, when I get married again, I'm going to get you to do my wedding, mate. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. And hopefully I haven't scared too many uh, listeners who are thinking of becoming wedding photographers uh, away from That's Bernie's job. It is, it, is a, uh, it is a beautiful career to have. So I hopefully I haven't scared too many people away. 
Well, thanks very much, Chris. I really appreciate all the stories. Uh, I mean, uh, they're they're just doozies. I'm sure there's some that are left uh, unsaid, uh, so we're probably going to have to get you back and uh, tell a few more stories. And all the best with the Studio Ninja. It's uh, again a great uh, comeback from um, all the learnings that you've done in your past entrepreneurial career. And uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, for this episode. Thanks, Bernie. Thanks, uh, Chris. Take care.